Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have with me the underdog with a heroic heart, Mr. Eric Jones Jr. Hey, Eric. How's it going? How are you? I'm good, and I happen to know who you are and what you do, but can you tell everybody else who you are and what you do? So, like you said, my name is Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart. I was born um, one out of four, one out of a million people with a rare disease called club hand. And so with this disease, um, everybody has two bones in their arm. I don't have the main bone, the radius bone. And when you get club hands, it's a different, it's more of a technical, but I'm not even going to jack it up, even try. But um, there's different types. Like you, sometimes you see people, they might have one arm or they might have a nub or both arms. So I have type four, which is made both of my arms short. So I had to get surgery from the age of six months all the way until I was 17 years old. So first, my first, very first surgery um, without having the radius, it's hard to find veins in my arm. So they poking around in my arm, they couldn't find a vein. So they cut my left leg open still couldn't find the vein. So they had to put the IV in my manhood. So my arm cut open, my leg cut open, and then that's where they put, that's how life started off for me. And, but my mom told me like, right after the surgery, I was cool. She like, oh my gosh, my baby, like what's going on? And I'm over there chilling. So that's kind of how life has been for me. Like I said, I had surgeries from six months all the way until I was 17. So, um, Growing up, I grew up in Michigan City, Indiana. It's a very small town. Um, we started off in the projects, me and my mom. My mom and my dad weren't together. My dad actually passed away when I was four years old of cancer. Um, so it was just me and my mom rocking out. And I had to go to physical therapy at like two or three because they wanted to see if I could go to school with quote unquote normal kids. So I lived in the projects. I'm learning how to shoot dice while my mom gone because the babysitter, brother, cousin, uncles, they teaching all the kids how to shoot dice. But then they telling me to go to school and see if I can hang out with the normal kids. I don't know who normal kids or what that is, but I had the hand mobility because if you shot dice and I ain't talking about gambling, everybody didn't play Yahtzee, Monopoly, you know how to shoot dice. You're working on your hand mobility. So I remember um, they told me the story. The people came on the bus and dropping me off. My grandma picked me up every day. And my grandma, she didn't play about me. Like I'm her favorite out of the kids, everybody, I'm the favorite. So she comes up, she see me crying. She ready to whoop somebody like, hold on, why my baby crying? Who did it? Who I need to knock out? They like, calm down, Miss Thomas, calm down. Eric, um, he's crying because he can't come back to the school because he's too advanced. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, I'm going, I thought I was going to school, hang out with my friends. So after that, you know, got to go to school with the normal kids. And that's when life hit me. Kids started bullying me, picking on me, all different kinds of stuff. And I'm like, hold on, this is not what, you know, life is supposed to be about. And I remember first grade, I have a friend, I'm still cool with him to this day. His name's Gus. He taught me how to joke. He taught me how to like joke back on people. So when people, once I got the hang of it and people would joke on me, oh, it was over with. Like, cause I'm quick with the draw. And so the bullying kind of would stop or it would turn into violence because they would get mad cause the kid with the short arms got jokes. But y'all the ones came, y'all came for me. 
Like we say nowadays, don't come for me because if you come for me, it's going to be a problem. And that's kind of how it was. But school was really hard. So in elementary school, it got to the point where I'm like, skip life. I ain't trying to do this no more. I'm tired of these short arms, everything. And I attempted to commit suicide because I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm just over it. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out. It happened like twice. I did it like second, third grade. And then when I was in elementary school and my mom, she never knew until I got older, but I just remember her telling me, like, you got to deal with this. Your arms ain't going to change. So you just got to make the adjustments. So I fell in love with basketball and I was tired of watching people play. I'm like, okay, let me go out here and figure out, you know, how to play. So I taught myself how to play because my mom, she worked at a retail store. She don't, I, ain't, I don't think I've ever seen her dribble a basketball. And my dad, which was my sister's dad, is my dad. He, I guess you could say he thought he could play, but yeah, anyway, so I taught myself. So, and I would go to the park, I would play. I had to have a basketball court in the, um, in the house. I had to just, you know, I just wanted to work on my game every single day because I wanted to be in the NBA. And playing basketball and I, I'm good at it gave me the confidence to have in the real world because I used to wear a jacket all the time. I still, you know, I, I'm kind of afraid of people, what people gonna say and all those different things. But as playing basketball, my life kind of went towards the right way because I had confidence. I'm like, okay, if I can do it on a basketball court, I can have that confidence in the real world. So as life went on, I wanted to be in the NBA, but I didn't realize you had to be a student athlete. I thought you just had to be an athlete. And I didn't realize you had to have good grades. So I didn't, my grades and me, I had bad grades. So I never, I only got to try out for the team like twice. And I didn't make it, but I still had the experience of going out and trying out for the team. And as I got older and as an adult, you know, uh, when you have a disability, you're supposed to get a check. That's that's what I had thought. Like I was born this way. I didn't get, I didn't fall at work. I didn't get hit by nothing. I was born this way. So I go to get a disability check. Um, the doctor there was a hundred years old. I'm just, he was like a hundred. So he's like examining me and he like, oh yeah, you're fine. I'm like, yeah, compared to you, you a hundred. I'm 18 at the time. And they denied me of my disability. And I'm like, how? Okay, I, you know, that just seemed weird. So it took a long time for me to get a job. Really, the only way I got a job is if I knew, um, if I knew somebody, if somebody knew me or my parents. So life was hard as an adult. I, I couldn't do what I wanted to, like, because I couldn't get jobs because people will see my name. Like, oh, okay, Eric Jones come in. Then they see me, they look. They go through the interview, but you always get, I always got that email. Well, you weren't qualified. I know, I know. So as life went on, I just kept, kept going, kept going, kept going. And then I eventually had a son and then I eventually got married and that's when life changed. And then that's when I started speaking and telling people my story. Then that's when I became an author, a basketball coach, um, a mentor. Got my, I had a radio show, but now I got a podcast. And I, me and my son have a clothing line together. So I kind of ran through my story, didn't go deep into it. But what I want the listeners to get is you're going to go through some stuff. Life is going to punch you in your face 
It could be from birth. It could be when you're 30. It could be when you're 25. But you got to get up. You can't give up. No matter what the situation is, there ain't no excuses. Because don't nobody care. Don't nobody care that I was born the way I was born. Don't nobody care that you going through what you're going through. You got to have, you got to understand nobody cares and you got no excuses. You just got to make adjustments. You got to go out there and figure it out. Bump your head. Like, don't give up. Whatever it is that you want to do, go after it. But you got to make sure it's what you love to do and don't do something just because you you doing it just to go get a check. Because as my life went on, I didn't drive. I always rode with people. I always went where they went, even though they were my friends. Sometimes I didn't want to go, but I didn't feel like sitting in the house either. And then when I finally got that, oh, I can drive. Oh, I can go wherever I want. I ain't got to stay here with y'all. I got to doing what I love to do. And then you start seeing people fall off. So make sure you stay. Don't make no excuses. I know life hard. Anything you do in life is hard. So don't make excuses. Just make adjustments. That's kind of like my story. I'm listening because one of the things that you mentioned is something that propelled me to start my business. Um, I fought for disability for many years and I was told that I was too young and overeducated and therefore I was not disabled. And, you know, discrimination is systemic and personal, you know, and you talk about the difference between being born with a disability that is not recognized. You know, so many times we are invisible to the world. And I think what motivates a lot of us to become influencers is the fact that we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. We get sick and tired of not having the things that are privileges and rights that are owed to us. And I say the word owed because these things were put in place to help us be successful. Yet we've had to find ways around it because the gatekeepers, because we're constantly told no, or we're constantly told that we don't meet criteria for whatever reason. But I sit and listen to you because you have yourself and your child that you are both advocating for. I want you to tell listeners what makes your child different because you told your story, but a lot of what Christian Dewan is about is the fact that you have a son that you are standing up and fighting for. So tell us more about that. So my son, Christian, uh, he is albino. And so that makes him different. That makes both of us different. So he kind of doesn't understand. He understands that he's six. He doesn't understand it. And he understands it. And with him, you know, with um, people that's albino, people, once you find out, sometimes people have jokes. Some people look at him different and closes his thing. Since he's been born, my man has been sharp. Like, and it's been on him. Like, you know how you dress your kid, but he's always had that. Like, it don't matter. Tomorrow, he might say, hey, dad, I need to wear my suit coat. And then the next day, he might want to wear a jersey and some jogging pants. So I've always been into fashion myself. And as I was thinking of doing something, I was like, what can I do with my son? And I was like, we both love clothes. How about we create our own clothing line and... If something ever happens to me, he got his own business. Or when he gets a certain age, he can take over the business and he can have his own rather than my dad leaving behind questions, leaving behind problems. He didn't leave me nothing. He just left me with questions. So I didn't want to leave, I don't want to leave my son with questions. I want to leave him with a legacy. I want to leave him with hard work and ownership. So that's how that came about. And we just it's a Jones thing. It's just, that's kind of like my theme. That's my podcast, but that's just what it is. Me and him, that's my homie. We do everything together. So we're going to do business together. 
he might fire me. I don't know, you know, who knows? <laughs> Did you say your son might fire you? It could be real though. I yeah. have to ask you too though, in our culture, in our, our neighborhoods and communities, entrepreneurship is not a huge thing. I hear you say that you wanted to leave him with a legacy and not questions, which so many of us have. What led you to build businesses? Um, when I was a kid, I always knew I wasn't going to work for somebody that just, it was, I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I'm like, I don't want no job. I didn't want, like after my NBA dream went away, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not working for nobody. And it was my 30th birthday. And one of my closest buddies, he's, he lives in Atlanta from there, but his grandma lived in my hometown. So we became friends and I've known him since we've been young and he has his own clothing line. And when I went uh, for my 30th birthday, I uh, missed my flight. Um, I had a hangover type moment. And that was my past life. And I missed my flight. And then the next few days, I went with him everywhere and saw what he was doing in business. I was like, ooh, I could do this. So first I wanted to do clothes. It kind of didn't work out because he lived in Atlanta. I lived in Indiana. And I seen an Eric Thomas video. And I got connected in his community. People heard my story. They was like, you need to tell it. And I can talk. Like, so I just started speaking. And I was like, okay. And once you get around other people or get exposed to different stuff, you're like, ooh, you from around, you close to from around my way. You do that? Oh, I could do that too. And it's like, you go to a job and you got to ask, can I get off to go to my kids this? Or... Like I got a business, I got a, a business um, meeting with Pinterest and I told my second job, I got to be 30 minutes late and she like, oh my God, I did it like, it's not the end of the world. I think Pinterest is a little more important than me being a few minutes late and me still doing my job and still doing what you need me to do. Like, like you said, it's not nobody, like I didn't grow up with, my mom went to work every day. My, my dad went to work every day. I don't know no entrepreneurs, but it was just being exposed to it and seeing people from where I'm from able to do it, I'm like, I, I'm going to try it out. And I've been doing it and it's working. I mean, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm going in that direction. So you're saying to me, basically, this was the only option that you had to have freedom and flexibility of your time being, being present as a father to your child. I started because I was a single mom. And when my child missed the bus, I had to be there. When my child was sick, I had to be there. When I was sick, I couldn't be there. And I think that we're forced to make the decisions that we make too often. A lot of times we come around to it and say, oh yeah, I can make this work. But ultimately a lot of us are pushed into entrepreneurship and things like that without the background, without the education, without the mentorship, because we don't see people doing what we wanna do. We literally have to do the legwork. We have to do the research. We have to do the digging. We have to try to find funding. We have to do these things. And it's not easy because we're not taught these things traditionally. True. Very true. And everything you said, because I, I graduated high school with a 1.7. I'm a two-time college dropout. I don't got no good type of education, but that ain't stopping me from learning. That ain't stopping me from educating myself or finding mentors or finding coaches or finding people. It's all about exposing yourself. It's just like, uh, I know my analogies is gonna be crazy, but it's just like a crackhead. A crackhead, go find them, they crack. They gonna go ask, 
everybody at the gas station, if they can get a dollar, they're going to round up that $20 and go get what they need. They, they getting in the environment that they need to get what they want. You got to get in the environment that you need to get what you want. And I mean, that's the goal is for them to get high. The goal for you is to maybe get the bag. You got to get around those people that can help you get to that bag or get to wherever you want to be at. Because if you stay in that comfort zone or with your friends that's comfortable, you're going to be comfortable and time going to pass you by. And then you're going to be like, well, back then I could have started me a business or I could have did this. And you don't want to be the person that would have, could have, should have. You don't want to be that person. Your analogy was on point because at the end of the day, we know that when somebody really wants something, they can they can go through hell or high water to get to what they need. And I think that a lot of us need to get there. You know, we we will strive to fail, but we don't strive to succeed. Mm. And it's not easy. And I say that because entrepreneurship is hard. There are days. I mean, every day I'm shutting down. Every single day, because I'm like, I just can't. People don't take it seriously. Everybody thinks it's easy. People don't want to pay for services. People have no idea how hard it is to live out loud. It takes immense courage. And I have to ask you as somebody who looks different than everybody else, who feels different than everybody else, and who has a harder time doing activities of daily living, as people don't understand reaching for your seasonings when you're cooking or doing anything like that. What is your message to people who may say that something is too hard to try or too hard to achieve? Um, first, I'm going to say my mom always told me to try before you ask for help. And, and that was just doing like, for me, like, something that I couldn't maybe do with my arms. And she say, you got to try it first and then you can ask because somebody going to help you if they see you trying. But everything is hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Being a parent is hard. Not being a parent. Having a job. Not having a job. Everything in life is hard. Life is hard, period. So you pick your poison. You pick what you what's hard for you. And you figure it out. Like, um, when I first started, um, well, I'm just starting everything and I didn't have no like blueprint or anything. I just, you know, just went out there and it's like, you gotta, you gotta go out there. It's just like when you want to go date somebody or you see that cute person, you jump in a DM or you holler at them, you try it. The worst they can say is what? No, you start a business. The worst somebody can say is no. And you go back to the drawing board and see why someone told you no, and you make the adjustment. My, my thing is like, you gotta, you gotta bet on yourself. Cause if you don't bet on yourself, who's going to bet on you? So once you bet on yourself, you go out there and say, okay, this hard, this hard and that hard, I'm going to just go out there and fight it. Somebody going to swing on me. I'm going to swing back. Like, it, I don't know really how to, like, I literally just seen a meme that said, everything is hard. You got to pick your hard. You got to pick which one. And it's up to you. Like you said, it's it's hard, it's hard to fail and it's hard to succeed. Cause you don't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm dead broke. My bank account is in the negative. No, it happened over time. You don't get success, you don't wake up. Ooh, I'm a millionaire. No, you had to put in the work. So what work do you want to put in? Do you want to put in the work to get you more? Or do you want to put in the work to just be sitting there and nobody remember what you who you are and your tombstone just say your name, the year. In a, in a scripture that the pastor picked out because they think you went to church. 
I was watching Steve Harvey's motivation videos the other day, and he said you have a year, the year born, which nobody cares about, and the year that you died, and the dash is what you did in between. What do you want your dash to say? And it's, it's, it's so real because so many people are stagnant. They're just waiting for the opportunity. They're waiting to be bust upside the head with an opportunity, but they don't know that they've missed multiple that have come and passed them by. You know, God uses people. And I think a lot of people lose that. They, they, they block their blessings because they're thinking it's going to come in a different way. And people have come in their lives. Like you said, it took one person that you knew in Atlanta that was doing it. It took one person that you saw and said, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. It took one lesson, you know, one thing and you deconstruct it and determine, okay, so this is it. Now I got to do this, this, and this to get to that. There may be some pieces in between, but I'll figure them out along the way. I think everybody's waiting for that answer. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I just put in for my PhD and I had somebody yell at me a few days ago. He's like, the minute you get your PhD, you're going to say that you need to be the dean or you need to be the chancellor. You need to be, he said, you're enough. You got to stop thinking that you need this to make you successful or this to make you credible or this to make you, you know, relevant. You know, we're, we're looking for all the wrong things when the answer is staring us in the face. And a lot of times it's within us. And you said something that I love, try before you ask for help. But I'm going to ask you to break something down. In our community, we're taught not to ask for help. We're taught to be private. What goes on in this house stays in this house. Or when we do ask for help, a lot of times it's not genuine. There is a motive behind it. What is your advice to somebody who is out there that may be in an environment that is not conducive to their dream? You know, they may be in the projects and they want to be something and there's no resources available to them. Or it may be a kid or, or a teenager. We have all kind of listeners. Um, what is your advice to somebody who doesn't see their aspiration in front of them? Um, they do see it because they, they've imagined it. They thought of it. It's, it's there. When you think of something it's a reason you thought of it. So you got to think about it. You got to have that imagination. You got to have those dreams where you're at, but you got to, I, and I, and, and you, you had me. And then you, when you said as, and have a motive behind it, because I, I'm the type, I'm a salesman. I ask questions to get what I want. And I'm not saying like, get what I want as in anything like, if I know, if I want to ask you, if I want to say, if I had a friend, so I got a, a, a friend and I want to do something, surprise her, I'm asking her questions just to get the answer that I need because there's a motive behind it. There has to be a motive behind the questions that you're asking. You want to ask questions to move the needle. You don't want to ask somebody that ain't never been in the business how to start a business. Like you ain't going to get no kind of answer. So Get away from that environment because you go to school every day. Um, you, most of the time you go to church. Ask somebody that don't look like the people that, that you see on a daily basis. I give you a perfect example. So the lady at church, I uh, mean at work, she invited me to her church. It's all white church. Nothing against all white church. It's just different. The music a little different and the, the preaching's a little different, but I went because I lived in, I was going through stuff and I missed church and I was going, I was going. They end up having a seminar, uh, no, a workshop on budgeting. 
and I went and I was asking questions. I was asking questions. And then the dude was like, okay, we can have one-on-one. -on -one. I'll be your financial coach. And then I'm asking questions on how to get better. I'm steadily out. He don't look nothing like me. He ain't where I'm from. He live in Brownsburg. He got good money, good family. I'm just got a divorce. I'm down and out, but I'm asking him questions. And he, and from that time, from last year, it was last year, October to this year, just from me asking those questions, this man has helped me out. Now I got me a spot. I got me a car and everything because I asked somebody that didn't look like me because I wasn't afraid to get better. It don't matter what color, creed, where you from, ask somebody that's where you want to be. Don't ask somebody where you at. Ask somebody where you want to be at. And if you ask them and they're genuine, they're going to give you steps of what you can do. Not They're not going to give you money. They're going to give you the steps so you can learn and you can go through your own process. And then when you, at your, when you get to the, a level where you can go back, you, put, uh, you pay it forward. So, so to, to the tip there, what I want to leave them with is ask with the intentions to get better. Ask somebody that's better than that's ahead of you. And then when you ask, actually do what they say. And when you ask, have a notebook with you. Have your phone out where you're taking notes. Don't just go in there and just ask questions and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. All right, I'm going to do that. And then you get home and you forget everything. And you're like, dang, what did they say? Because you didn't take notes. Or record it if you don't want to take notes. Do something to get the information that you got so you can go back to that information. Absolutely correct. You said ask somebody that's where you want to be. And that is the key. I have to co-sign what you said. I was a member of a mega church. And of course, I grew up in a Baptist church. And my mom was like, that's not a church. Like, you're, what are you doing? Like, and I, I spent eight years in that church. And I worked my way up. And I was a life group leader. And I volunteered to be the Financial Peace University group leader. And I did it because I knew that I had to commit to the change that I wanted to see in my life. It wasn't good enough for me to sign up for the class because I could always not show up. I could always not go. I could always not do the homework. What people don't know about me is that I commit to things because I know my poison. I will talk myself out of it. I will justify my, you know, in inconsistencies, you know, I'll be like a hundred percent for like the first three weeks. And then the next nine weeks, it's, I'm a ghost. You know, everybody's like, where's Anika? Oh, my kid got sick or, oh, whatever. And I'm good for it. And so I have to commit to things to make me show up. I know what I need. Most of us know what we need, but there is fear between what we need and where we are. There is a, a fear of discomfort. There is a fear of the outcome. When we're so used to not having what we want, then we catastrophize it. You know, everything, you know, we just don't believe that we'll see the end of it, you know. And I, I, I <laughs> you said something so true is that you have to go outside of your environment. You have to. It, it, you just have to kind of place yourself in positions and predicaments to grow. You may not be ready. You're never going to be ready. It's never a good time to have kids. It's never a good time to get married. It's never a good time to get divorced. It's never a good time to get sick. It's never a good time to change jobs. It's never a good time to change locations. It's never going to be a good time. 
You have to make a decision. It is a choice that you're going to do something different and you're going to do it. And I, I love talking to you because you come from a different background than most of the people on my show. But what I want people to understand is that we are more similar than we are not. Exactly. It don't matter where you, it don't matter where you come from because Michigan city is very small, but everybody was related. And my mom took us from the hood into just a, a different kind of neighborhood. She could have moved where everybody, all her friends, she moved us. It was all white people and like three black families and all the, everybody was, we was all cool. I ain't know. I mean, you, you understand racism and all that, but it's like, I had friends that was all different. My buddy, his mom worked for the mayor. Me and him was the best of friends. Like they got money. I ain't, we, ain't, we over here eating noodles and noodles. <laughs> you know, something different, but we was cool. And we never looked at, oh, Eric come from over here and you come from over there. Cause when you look at somebody of where they come from, that ain't, that ain't none of their business. They parents, they, that, like I work at a school and I see kids joking on people. How you joking on him? Cause his mama ain't got nothing, but cause your mama got something, but he might be smarter than you. You might be dumb as a box of bricks, but you the freshest kid in the class. Whoop-de-doo. Like, I, like it don't matter. It don't matter what you look like on the outside. It's about your heart. It's about who you are as a person. And I think the whole world would be a better place if we forget what color we are or where you come from and just pay attention to the person's character. Your heart is all that matters. And you know, you said something so true. I went to a prestigious all-girls college and... Uh, a lot of us, you know, came from single parents and, and things like that. But we were all girls going through the same identity crisis, going through parents getting divorced and, and heartache and all these kind of things. And at the end of the day, none of us cared what city the other one was from or whatever, because at one and two o'clock in the morning when we needed somebody to be there for us and to cry on somebody's shoulder, we were there for each other. And that's all that matters. Yep. So I want you to tell everybody about Christian Duan. Christian Dewan, it's spreading positive energy through clothes. Um, it's a clothing line for everybody, women, kids, men, all genres. Now, you will see some stuff just planted for certain people um, of all races, all creeds. And it's just, it's me thinking of the quotes or different ideas or stuff that my son comes up with, and we put it on our clothes. And right now it's kind of just t-shirts and sweatshirts, but eventually we want it to be a brand. And it's basically me being a father, giving my son ownership, showing him ownership, showing him he can have his own business. You know, he ain't got to wait till he's 18, graduate college, get a degree, none of that. He can start it now and he can learn um, how to be better than I was, how I am and at an early age. So it's really about, uh, it's father and son. It's about family. It's about sticking together with your family. And if you're able to put your family on, you put them on in a positive way. You don't got to put them on by the hustling way. And everybody know what I mean with the hustling way, the, the stuff that you don't need to be doing. So it's about showing my son something different than what I saw. And by being able to make other people feel good by wearing our clothes. 
I'm sitting here and I need the more than my disability. I need my voice matters stronger than cancer currently virtually teaching. Um, I'm worth more than a hashtag. Yes. Yes. Um, there was another one. Hold on. Um, oh, and while you look at, since I'm on your podcast and your listeners, if you go to the website, www, I think that's three W's, uh, dot Christian Dewan. Dewan is spelled D E J U A N dot com. And you use the promo code. It's a Jones thing. You get 10% off. All right. Y'all heard that. Ain't have an example, but that didn't stop me from being one black fathers exist. Um, and you know, that's so real. I have children that have two fathers and they're around sometimes. Um, and it's crazy because I thought one had a father in his life and I thought that was going to make him a good father. And, and one didn't have a father in his life and his fear and his trauma from his father has impacted his ability to be a father. And, you know, it's, it's so crazy because our stories really do matter, you know, and the sooner we talk about them, the sooner we process them, the sooner we heal, deal and grow, the better our children will be, the better our communities will be. I'm loving what you're doing with your son because I, you know, my 10 year old came to me the other day and told me she wants to be an entrepreneur. And I just wanted to like cry because, you know, I come from two military parents and a military husband where they just, you know, they work for the system. I've always worked for mental health, nonprofits, work for the system. And it's extremely important for us to be an example for our children, not just morally, not just spiritually, but in, in teaching them money management, mindset management, you know, teaching them personal and professional growth, showing them, you know, how they can do things. And it doesn't matter if it succeeds or fails. Like we just have to endorse their visions and endorse their dreams and endorse our own because so often we discount what we want to do. We don't even try. And so I just got to thank you for overcoming the, the systemic discrimination because it's not even just racism. Um, that, that you have encountered in life and will continue to encounter. That's the sad part. Yeah. You know, but to, to hear you, you know, your mind is so strong and, and that's, that's the key to success. Yeah. Can I, uh, piggyback off what you said? Cause I've kind of, been absolutely on a, not a rampage, but about parents, like mm-hmm. <clears throat> it don't matter if your daddy was in your life, your daddy wasn't in your life. If you had an example, if you don't have an example, when you see your child born, there ain't no excuses. You, I don't care if you and the baby daddy don't get along, you and the baby mama. Like, like you just said, it's more than just uh, child support. It's more than just, oh, I'm going I'm to um, just uh, uh, take you to the game. It's about being there. It's about being that example. I didn't have that male example. I had a dad, but he didn't, he didn't have an example from he didn't have an example. So I broke that. I'm going to be the example because... This little person depends, your kids depend on you. Like, I don't understand and like parents, cause I work in a school and I see, oh, I can't, I ain't gonna use none of the words that I wanna use, but it's just pitiful. It's pitiful how your people treat their kids, but then you'll see them doing on, on the, um, got their hair done, nice outfit, but your child look a hot mess. 
We got to change that. And it's everybody, all parents. Like, I don't care what's going on. You got to be there for your child because your child depends on you. Because guess what? Your child might, you might think your child cool until your child get old enough to really think and be like, dang, I'm jacked up. I need to go to some counseling. I don't, your daughter going to have daddy uh, issues. Um, your son going to be jacked up. He going to be a womanizer or he ain't going to give women no type of worth because he's seen his mama doing this. So y'all got to be an example to your kids. Nobody perfect. We going to make mistakes. Show your kids your mistakes and learn from them and show them how you bounce back from them. My son has seen me marry his mother, divorce his mother, me not have Jack living from place to place to not having stuff that I ain't have before. He's seen every step of the way because I didn't give up because guess what? He depended on me. I could have gave up and been like, oh, well, I can't get him. I don't got no place to live. Oh, well, this, this, and that. Listen, I must end it at this. For at least six to eight months, I was staying with friends or family. I never missed a weekend with my son. So there's no excuses of why you can't get your kid, why you can't do nothing with your kid. And that's it. Like, stop making excuses for, for being a parent. Because guess what? You're a parent to the day you die. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, the minute that I had my daughter, the tongue ring came out. You know, it, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about who she needed. And it didn't matter what happened with her father. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. You know, I had gotten a job as a correction officer, found out I was pregnant two days before boot camp. And I had to suck some stuff up because I now had a child to raise. Didn't matter what my trauma was. Didn't matter what my past was. Didn't matter what my pain was. I had to show up for that girl. And it's so interesting because now she inspires me. You know, she's 15 and she's the one that made me a mom. And it's it's that that first kid, it's it's hopefully eye-opening. But many miss that call, but it's never too late. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you for being here because when I met you the other day on that amazing panel of creating a sustainable lifestyle, I was like, yep, I love his heart. Your, your heart is just, it just, it's infectious. It's just, you can feel it beating from 7,000 miles away. So thank you for being who you are. Thank you for answering the call on your life. And thank you for inspiring your son and many others around the world. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come on. Thank you for the opportunity to be on that panel. Like, I love talking and I love being on different platforms and talking to different people and just, getting to know different people and you know, you're going to be on my show, right? So absolutely. Yeah, so I'm gonna, anytime we're going to figure out, you know, our schedules and I'm going to have you on. It's a Jones thing. And so I can get to know you a little bit more and hear your story. Cause I'm sure you got a story in yourself. And I just thank you for the opportunity and thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. And you're going to be my ride or die. So we will be talking and listeners, I will put the um, link for Christian Dewan. I was going to say Don Juan, Christian Dewan, and all that Eric is doing. So thank you guys for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. I'm Anika Wilson. Stay powerful.